Hi, this is Michelle, and this is Historable. Hello and happy Pride Month. If you weren't able to already tell from our little intro, it is just me today. It's just Michelle. This is partially my fault. If you guys listened last week, you might have heard me mention that Deanna and my brother have yet to have COVID, which is great. But apparently, I jinxed them, and they both got COVID this past weekend. They're both doing well, and they're on the mend. Nothing too serious, and Deanna will be back with us next week, but definitely needed her rest and relaxation to get 100% again. So sorry, Deanna, for jinxing you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Deanna wanted me to let you guys know that she misses you all, and she can't wait to be back next week. But for today... It's just me and you guys. So I'm going to try and make this short and sweet because y'all don't want to listen to me talk for 45 minutes straight. I can say that for a fact. So anyway, Deanna, we wish you well and we can't wait for you to join us next week. And sorry for being a jinx. Okay, so this week we are going to be talking about the Stonewall Riots. It's commonly referred to as one of the starting points of like the modern day LGBTQ movement. This is something that reoccurs throughout history is that there'll be a very tragic moment and it'll kind of spark this reinvigorated movement. And this is no different. So let's kind of set the vibe and get into what were the Stonewall riots and what led to it. So it's the 1960s in America, and the Italian mob was ruling New York City. Just kind of pointing out, the mob is a business first and foremost, so they're money makers. They're out there and, you know, making their money how they make their money. But one of the ways that they achieved this in the 1960s was actually looking to the LGBTQ community. In the early 1960s, tavern owners were allowed to turn away patrons who were openly gay. And it wasn't until 1966 that this was actually overturned. But even though they could no longer kick them out of their establishment, it was still illegal for same-sex couples to hold hands or kiss or dance in public or even dress as the opposite sex to which a person was born. So the demand for gay clubs became ever more popular. Gay couples could openly enjoy their time and dance and drink and not have to worry about being kicked out arrested because... They were with people just like them. These places were a little bit hard to manage. They were frequently raided by police. People were arrested. Business owners became more, I guess, hesitant to open gay clubs just because of all the extra attention and fines and trouble that they could get into. So it was a little bit dicey. But here's where the mob re-enters the chat. 
These guys knew a guy who knew a guy who could maybe just tip them off if a raid was coming their way, right? So if anyone was going to be successful at running a gay club, it was definitely the mob because they were very well connected and they knew exactly what palms to grease in order to make it work for them and the community. I'm not trying to say anything to, to their motives here. I'm sure it was more financially and the perfect market opportunity for them rather than being gay activists, I guess you could say. But also, I don't want to say that they weren't. I don't know. And that's all I'm saying. So one of the larger crime families was the Genovese crime family. And they actually had quite the monopoly on gay clubs in Greenwich Village, which is a neighborhood in New York City. But most notably of all, they owned the Stonewall Inn. So this was a purchase they made in 1966, and they tried to just renovate it on the cheap. Since they were so well connected, they knew exactly how to avoid any quote-unquote unnecessary costs. So first thing they did was they just skipped getting a liquor license. They did this because they were able to register as a private bottle bar. And this meant that they were more like BYOB type of place and also meant that their, I guess, clientele were to be more exclusive or at least the appearance of more exclusive. So they weren't actually selling any liquor, quote unquote. So they didn't need a liquor license. So they saved a ton of money there. Um, what they would do instead is that they would charge a cover and make patrons sign in upon arrival to kind of keep up with the facade of being more a private establishment. They also bribed the local precinct in order to kind of just look the other way when it came to building codes. So again, the attention was to renovate this place on the cheap. They didn't want the hassle of like paying premiums for silly things like fire exits and adequate plumbing. Uh, that Titanic is probably fuming right now. But they got away with it because they were just able to pay off the right people and not have to spend money on all that kind of stuff. But no matter, because by the time that the Stonewall Inn opened its doors, it quickly became a hotspot for the LGBTQ community. It, as it was so well protected by the mob, it was one of the only places left that still allowed same-sex dancing because that was a hugely arrestable offense at the time. And I think that was something that a lot of other gay clubs maybe didn't want to risk because it was so open and blatant, maybe. I'm not sure. But they were one of the only clubs in town still having it happen. So good for them. The mob also took some advantages with owning the Stonewall Inn when they would host politicians or other well-known wealthy figures. They may or may not have blackmailed them to keep the question of their sexuality quiet in exchange for cash. So they were able to kind of wrangle in a lot of blackmail deals, I think, in this way too, which I don't really condone because someone's sexuality should never be thrown at them. But again, it was the 60s. So another thing they did is even though they didn't have a liquor license, they still sold liquor because who's going to stop them? They're paying off all the police and they're paying off all the police too so that anytime a raid is planned on their establishment, they're going to get a tip off so they can just hide all the alcohol. So it was never an issue for them, right? So they were just kind of running the hottest gay club in town and making lots of money off of it and everything was hunky-dory. But 
the name of this episode wouldn't be called the stone wall in riot if everything just continued on honky dory so let's get into when the shoe actually dropped so the police first raided the stonewall inn on a tuesday night on june 24th of 1969 apparently there were still some incorruptible cops at the local precinct and a tip-off was not given to the owners of the club so the police came in and they raided them What they did is they took away their liquor stash because, again, they didn't have that liquor license, so they were in full right to do that. And they also arrested a handful of employees from that evening. It doesn't really seem like any patrons were arrested or charged that night, but the cops weren't really satisfied. They decided that they needed to come back on a busier night. So they decided, okay, on Friday, so June 27th, they were going to return. And again, no tip-off was going to be given to the family. By all accounts, this night was a very, very hot night. In all the articles that I read about it, everyone was saying like how it was an unusually warm night. And we all know that really high heat just breeds chaos in my opinion i also looked up if it was a full moon and the full moon was actually that sunday the 29th so kind of makes sense for some of the chaos that ensues the next couple days but i thought that was kind of funny so anyway everyone's getting all sweaty at the stonewall inn when a group of eight plainclothes cops walk in after i'm assuming seeing what they needed to see in order to justify their actions they initiated the second raid they mainly went after the bar employees arresting a lot of them on site but their second group of people that they went after were actually transgendered patrons at the time dressing up as a member of quote the opposite sex was a crime as well so the cops actually took these people now they had some female and some male police people and they took them to separate bathrooms to verify their sex before arresting them which if you don't know what that means, that means taking someone into a bathroom and saying, drop, drop your pants and show me the goods, which is like absolutely horrifying. But again, it's the 60s. We've somewhat evolved since then, hopefully. As the raid kind of continued on, a crowd had formed outside and it was just a bunch of people witnessing the police activity and people getting hauled away. Am to be arrested, the bar employees, people that were transgendered, etc. Also, some of the patrons, as they were cleared to go, they joined the crowd outside and it started getting a little tense and a little angry out there, which understandable. Apparently, as the cops were bringing out one transgendered man, the crowd grew to an uproar after they witnessed them roughing him up after the person complained about the handcuffs being too tight and the police retaliated and were notably rougher than they should have been with the patron that they were arresting. So the crowd started yelling. They started yelling pigs, coppers, all this stuff, calling out their blatant harassment of this individual. Then they started throwing pennies and then they started throwing bricks and bottles and whatever they could find. And the crowd went crazy. They started pushing in on the cops. A couple of the patrol car tires got slashed. And while some of the police members managed to get away with their new prisoners, um, there was still a group of police 
left at the scene. And things got so crazy that these police officers ended up barricading themselves in the bar to get away from this mob that had just formed outside. These people that were going after the police officers were crafty. They just picked up whatever they could find on the street to try and infiltrate back into the club. At one point, they uprooted a parking meter and used it as a battering ram to bust down the door of the club. They also made some makeshift like Maltov cocktails with some lighter fluid, I guess someone just like had on their back and started throwing them into the bar, which again, this bar has no fire safety regulations at all. So very dangerous. Thankfully, at the end of the night, no one on either side was killed or severely injured. There was a couple minor injuries that were reported on either side. The things kind of went down until like four o'clock in the morning, kind of back and forth. Eventually more cops came and kind of like corralled the crowd away. But then I read somewhere that some of the crowd members were like running down the street and they like darted into an alley and ended up circling back and then ending up behind the police and then were chasing the police out and it just sounded like utter chaos eventually yeah things died down around four o'clock in the morning but it was a pretty epic night and of course first thing in the morning the newspaper headlines are just all about the activities from the night before. A lot of them were very vulgar. A lot of them were extremely inappropriate, but everyone who's anybody heard about what happened at the Stonewall Inn. So the next night, despite the, the club itself being pretty destroyed and having no alcohol and all the events that happened, they still opened on Saturday night because why not? I think this was a really great move because the Stonewall Inn actually served as quite the safe haven for a lot of homeless gay youths. They would panhandle all day just to get the entry money to enter this club. And so then they had a place to one, be themselves and also just a place to be and exist and be safe and have a sense of community. And so this was a huge safe haven for them. So I kind of thought it was nice that they reopened the next night. Again, I'm not speaking to why they opened and what their true intentions were, but all in all, I thought it was still great, right, for the community that really leaned on this place. Because of the word of mouth that the newspapers had given the events of Friday night, a huge crowd appeared outside the club on Saturday night. A lot of people were there to protest the kind of blatant use of force by the police from the night before. And they were just out there to stand up for it and saying, this is not okay. You can't just treat people like that. So the police kind of caught wind of this group out there and they showed up 10 times bigger than the night before to kind of handle the crowd. Chaos ensued once again with the police and the crowd kind of going at it. They were throwing debris, they were throwing words at each other and it was just a hot mess. It's reported that this night some 1,000 people had arrived outside of the Stonewall Inn. Police fought them off with batons, tear gas, I don't think anyone died this night, but there was definitely a lot more injuries than the night before because they really brought in more like riot police this night than they did before. I think Friday night was just a spontaneous happening where Saturday night 
had a little bit more planning and thought. And so it definitely was a lot more brutal and bloody than it was the night before. So this would actually continue on for the next couple of nights. The crowd would get dispersed. The next night they would show up larger in numbers. The police would come and beat them all back, literally. Um, Every morning, the coverage would report it in the newspapers and more and more people would show. And they were out there every night chanting things like gay power and we shall overcome. Uh, eventually the crowds would dwindle after a couple days. I think it was like June 2nd or something like that. And the police presence dwindled as well. But there was no stopping it now. The modern day gay rights movement was put into motion. There was no doubt about it. The cruel and unusual treatment and punishment of the LGBTQ community was front page news. And no one was going to let that slide anymore. And the voices combating this mistreatment was just growing heavier and heavier. So a year after the riots on the first year anniversary, a local gay rights group called the Christopher Street Liberation Day Committee actually set up a parade and it was set to kick off starting from in front of the Stonewall Inn just to kind of commemorate the events that had transpired the year before. So the group when it set off was extremely large, only gaining more people as they walked the streets of New York City. But eventually they grew so large that the parade took up 15 city blocks, which is a very large group of people. This was actually America's first pride parade. And this was this event is actually what kicked off all the pride parades that happened kind of domino effect around the U.S. And as a Chicagoan, we still hold a very large pride celebration and parade. I think it's one of the country's largest, but we have a huge LGBTQ community here. There's a lot of pride here. No matter what neighborhood you're in, you tend to see a lot of LGBTQ pride flags. And I think for Chicago, that's really great. And I love the way that we show our pride in the city. And it's all because the Stonewall riots, this tradition began. So Deanna and I firmly believe gay rights are human rights. And that is something that we will always advocate for here at Historable. So this month, we will be taking some of our Historable proceeds to make a donation to the Trevor Project. Um, The Trevor Project aims to end suicide among the LGBTQ community, specifically teens, by offering counseling and any kind of support that they can to those that are struggling. Um, I'm also going to add some helpful resources to the episode page, probably like the Trevor Project and a couple other just links, information um, that'll be posted to historiablepodcast.com for anyone looking for help, information, etc. So to the LGBTQ community, we see you, you matter, and we love you. So happy Pride Month, everyone. Hopefully next week, Deanna will be unjermy enough to join and we can keep learning together. So I love you, besties. Deanna says she loves you too. And we will see you next week. Bye. Okay, I'm not going to do a little post-show thing because it's going to be a little weird to do by myself. So I'll just see you next week. <laughs>